Welcome to the Rosemont Baptist Church Podcast. Rosemont is a thriving group of believers who desire to connect with Jesus and His church, grow in faith and understanding of God's Word, and serve in our local area and around the world. We are located in LaGrange, Georgia at 3794 Hamilton Road and invite you to attend any of our three services on Sunday mornings. Please visit our website at rosemontchurch.org for more information. And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. Okay, Exodus chapter 20. We're continuing now our study uh, through the book of Exodus. We're just going verse by verse uh, over the last many weeks. This is, I think, our 22nd week now in the book of Exodus as we're just walking through, trying to better understand who the Lord is. And, And I pray through this process, as you're seeing and studying and reading and understanding I pray throughout this whole process, one of the things you're seeing, and I love preaching through books because it gives us the opportunity to kind of see every single piece of the puzzle instead of just kind of taking a couple things, maybe out of context, we're seeing the beginning from the end. But I hope in this process, and my prayer for you really, as, as you study through this, you see more and more of the glory and the majesty and the power of the Lord at work in the lives of these people and still at work today. And so we've kind of come to this point where the people of Israel have wandered through the wilderness. The Lord has led them to Mount Sinai. He's brought them to the base of the mountain. Moses has gone up on the mountain now and he's giving them the 10 commandments. And so we've kind of got the list of the 10 commandments there. If you'll pull those up and we've kind of divided them into two different sections. And by the way, you can divide them a lot of ways. There's a lot of different commentaries that have a lot of different opinions. This is kind of a general big picture way of dividing them. The first four are related to the Lord. Right, so how do we interact? How do we worship the Lord? How do we view him? We should have, go back to it. We should have no other gods. Don't make any idols. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Today is the Sabbath, holy rest. We're gonna really delve into the fourth commandment today and then go to the next slide, the fifth commandment. Uh, five through 10, the last six deal with how we relate to people. So first four, the Lord. Second six, people. Sorry, I'm running. You know, I just barely got my shirt buttoned up before I came out here after I got out of Mason. So hopefully everything's in order. <clears throat> but as we're walking through this, I hope you're seeing the power, the majesty of the Lord. I hope you're, you're worshiping him more. I hope you're praising his name for who he is. As We kind of see the division of what we're looking at and how the Lord has laid out the Ten Commandments for us. Now, last week, we talked about the idea of the third commandment, specifically not taking the name of the Lord in vain, and the second as well, the idol. And we talked about worshiping correctly and leading intentionally with our family. We talked about how we speak the name of the Lord matters. And my prayer is always when you leave here that you take some piece of the sermon or some main idea of the sermon and you figure out how to apply it to your life. And so I pray that this week you've been more mindful maybe of how you're leading your family maybe the intentionality you're using with your family, uh, maybe the way that you're worshiping or the mindset of worship. I pray the Lord is really speaking to you through this. So today is gonna be the fourth commandment. We're gonna really focus on verses eight through 11 of Exodus chapter 20. So let's go ahead and read that and jump right in this morning. Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse eight. The Lord speaking to Moses, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. Verse 11, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day 
and made it holy. Now, one of the things I want you to see throughout this process, one of the things I want you to get and understand is that God created the Sabbath. Right? It was his idea from the beginning. He built it into the fabric of creation, which we'll see here in just a few minutes. He built it into the understanding of how the children of Israel lived. Even when he gave them manna, he created the Sabbath in a sense that they wouldn't have to go collect it on the seventh day. And so everything we learn about the Sabbath, it wasn't some last minute addition. It wasn't some afterthought. It wasn't something that didn't really matter to the Lord. It's built in really to the very fabric of creation. And so everything we see about the Sabbath comes directly from the Lord. So the first main truth I want you to get this morning, the first thing I want you to see is that God created the Sabbath, first of all, for worship. God created the Sabbath for worship. Now, it's interesting how this is laid out because this is actually the longest commandment. If you were to kind of look at numbers of verses and words, this is the longest commandment the Lord has given us. And he's divided it really kind of into three sections. Verse 8 tells us what to do, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Verses 9 and 10 tell us how we're to do it, about labor and keeping the, the seventh day free of work. And then verse 11 explains why we do it, because God created it in the heavens and the earth. When he did that, he created everything on six days, and then the seventh day, he rested, right? But the interesting thing about verse 8 is the way it begins. God uses this word, remember. And it's always interesting to me when the Lord uses the word, remember, because I'm reminded of how oftentimes we forget, I'm reminded of how oftentimes we don't remember the things of the Lord. And so when the Lord's talking here to the people of Israel, he's certainly speaking to them because this is who it's written to. And I'm going to talk about that here in just a second. The context of this is to the people of Israel. But there's a good reminder for us as well today. We need to remember the Sabbath as well because we live in a world that doesn't oftentimes remember the Sabbath. How, how many of you remember when things used to be closed on Sunday? Anybody remember those days? How many of you remember when things used to be closed at noon on Wednesdays? When we first moved to LaGrange, most things on Wednesday afternoons were closed, right? It's different now. Things are different. And we can debate why or how. The truth of the matter is the world's a different place than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. So God reminds the children of Israel, and in so doing, he's reminding us we need to remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Now, God has kind of already built this in to who the people of Israel are. You may remember this, but back a few weeks ago when we were studying Exodus chapter 16, and the manna from heaven, I said to you, because he talked about the Sabbath in that moment, we're going to come back to it here in a second. But I said to you, look, we're going to pause on this idea of the Sabbath. We'll set it aside until we get to the fourth commandment. Then we'll come back and study. That's what we're going to do this morning. So Exodus chapter 16 speaks to this idea of rest. So if you have your Bibles, flip back just for a minute to Exodus 16. I'm going to read just a few verses here to understand what the Lord's doing. So Exodus chapter 16 Verse 22, God has just given these people manna, the bread from heaven. He's provided for them. And we read in Exodus 16, verse 22. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake, boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till morning. Now verse 26, six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. Verse 29, see the Lord has given you the Sabbath, therefore on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days, remain each of you in his place. 
Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now God had created already with the children of Israel this pattern of the Sabbath. He had created this idea that they needed to be resting, that they needed to set aside a day specifically not to gather the bread. So the Lord said, listen, I've already created within your rhythms of life this idea of resting, and I need you to remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. But here's the interesting thing about remembering scripturally. It's good to remember, but it's never quite enough. Here's what I mean by that. If all you do is remember the Sabbath, and don't actually keep it holy, you're not fulfilling what the Lord's called you to do, right? Let's use uh, the anniversary as an example for us. Men, we'll use you because it's the men, I guess, that get tagged with forgetting this most often. Some of you guys are already kind of looking down. Sorry if I brought up some old sores for you. But a lot of us sometimes have this issue with anniversaries and remembering certain dates. So it's not enough for us to say two weeks after our anniversary to our wife, honey, I remembered our anniversary. I just didn't get you anything for it. That wouldn't fly, would it? Not good enough to say, I I remembered that special day. I just chose not to actually do anything, right? In order for it to actually have meaning, not only do we have to remember it, but we should do something. We should buy flowers, a nice dinner, jewelry, whatever you want, right, ladies? So we have this idea of remembering, but along with that remembering comes some action. So as we remember the Sabbath, it's not enough just to remember it. The Bible says we've also got to keep it holy. That's what Scripture says. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Now let me define the word holy for you because that matters. It's going to help us in our understanding. Holy basically means to be dedicated, consecrated to the Lord for a religious purpose, sacred or set apart. So we can say Sabbath means we should take Sunday and set it apart from every other day. Right? So Sunday should be a sacred day. Sunday should be set apart. Sunday should be different than every other day. So if your Sunday looks the same as every other day, you're missing this truth. Like if Sunday is no different for you than any other day, you're missing what the Lord teaches, right? Because the Lord says, listen, you need to remember the Sabbath. There's something you do about that by keeping it holy. The way you keep it holy is you separate it, you make it different, you consecrate it. You, on this particular day, spend time worshiping the Lord. And so we read in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Listen, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Listen, you should have this regular ongoing routine of setting aside the Sabbath, of coming to church, of worshiping collectively, of studying the word of God. Now, I understand that things come up. I get it, vacations, trips, I get that. I'm not legalistic and saying you gotta be here a certain number of Sundays a year. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying your normal rhythm ought to be church. Your normal rhythm ought to be Sunday is different. Your normal rhythm ought to be, listen, we're just gonna get up and go to church. I've said this to you before, but I think it's worth repeating. When I was growing up, there was never a question on Saturday night if we were going to church on Sunday morning. Like, I never even wondered. I never even wondered if we're going to church. I just knew that was the rhythm of our family. My parents just grew up in church. They raised us in church. So there was, I, I never went to my dad on a Saturday and said, are we going to church in the morning? It was just assumed because we always had and we just always did, right? We built into our lives this pattern. We've done the same thing with our children. 
There was there's never this moment, and I'm the pastor now, so I guess it's a little bit different, but even before I was a pastor, there was never this discussion about, are we going to go to church? We, we've decided in our family, this decision we made, this is the Sabbath day. We're going to keep it holy. We're going to set it aside. We're going to consecrate it. We're going to use it as a day of worship to the Lord. Now, I want to be very clear before I kind of move to the next idea, because I don't want to kind of pigeonhole this in such a way that you misunderstand what's happening here, right? You don't have this internal worship switch that you turn on at 10.59 a.m. on Sunday morning, and then at 11.02, if the, if the pastor finishes on time, you turn it off, and you're done. I, turn, I worship for my hour for the week. I'm good. I'll see you next week, Lord. That's not really what we're talking about here. Right, So I would say to you, listen, the, the Sabbath is set aside as a day of worship. It's a day we consecrate. It looks different than our other days. We come together and gather corporately as a body to praise the Lord and to study his word. But it really sets the tone for the remainder of our week. And so for me, man, when I come Sunday, it just re-excites me. It rejuvenates me. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go out into the world now and see all that God has given me to worship, to show his glory and to worship him and to demonstrate the gospel to people. So it's not this idea of a one-hour week only in the walls. It's this idea, I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to set Sunday aside, and it's going to springboard me now into the rest of my week so that I can continue to worship him throughout the things I do at work or playing ball or whatever that looks like, I'm going to trust him and I'm going to worship him wherever I go. The pattern is set with that Sunday. We're going to keep the Sabbath. We're going to remember the Sabbath. We're going to keep it holy. We're going to consecrate it. We're going to worship the Lord. Now look at verse 8 again. Exodus chapter 20. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Very clear. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock or the sojourner who's within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Right. So the Sabbath is set apart. It's holy, it's consecrated, it's a day of worship, number one. Number two, God created the Sabbath for rest. Right? God gives us the Sabbath as a day of worship. God gives us the Sabbath as a day of rest. Now, in case you haven't noticed, the world seems like it's becoming more and more busy. Right? I talk to people, how you doing, how's your week been? Usually I get some sort of a response like this, busy. I got a lot going on. I got a lot of this. I got a lot of that. I get it, right? I get it. We have four children. I get it. Very busy. A lot of things going on. A lot of things happening. So I did a little research. I found a, some interesting stats about business. I want you to hear these. 80% of Americans say they don't stop work even when they clock out. 80%. That means they check emails. They make business phone calls, et cetera, after work. 44% of Americans call themselves workaholics. This next one, 45%, and I honestly feel like this is really low. 45% of Americans sleep with their cell phones beside their beds. Just for fun, how many of y'all, let's be honest now, how many of y'all sleep with your phones beside your bed? Just raise your hand high. Way more than 45%. <laughs> I would do, I'm not going to do this, but I'd be very curious, like ages, you know, if you kind of broke it into ages over a certain age, and who, you know, I bet younger people do, probably a little bit older don't. I use it as an alarm now, right? That's the excuse. Even though I do look at it a little bit before I go to bed when I get up, but I use it as an alarm mostly. 
But we sleep with our phones beside our beds, right? Three in four Americans feel stressed at work. In the last 40 years, the average number of hours worked in a week is up 31%, right? So we see statistically, we kind of feel it ourselves in our own lives. We get this idea that we are in a busy world. Here's what the Mayo Clinic says about that. Stress caused by a busy lifestyle can lead not only to physical side effects, such as high blood pressure and diabetes, but also behavioral issues such as social withdrawal and irritability, right? So I don't really have to convince you that we live in a busy world. Here's the beautiful part about this. God created within the fabric of, we're going to see here in just a second, creation with the children of Israel in our world currently. God said, listen, I know you're going to work. I know you're going to be busy. That's why this Sabbath day, this seventh day is so very important, you need to set it aside. You don't need to work. You don't need to do any special things. You need to set aside for a day of worship, rest, spending time with family. Now, we do this because the Lord has built this into creation. I want you to see this. I don't want you to miss this truth. We say, why, why should we rest? Why should we rest? Because the Lord tells us that when he created the world, he did it in such a way to build in this day of rest and so what we see is in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says this. God had already created everything. Genesis 2, 1 says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he'd done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work. God blessed the seventh day, here it is, made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he'd done in creation. Now the Hebrew word there actually means to cease or to rest. And one writer said it like this, his activity talking about the Lord in creation sets the pattern for our work and leisure. Part of dignity of our work comes from the fact that God is a worker. We work because we are made in the image of God and we work the way that he teaches us to work, right? So we see this idea that the Lord created everything, Everything was good. For six days, God worked. On the seventh day, he rested. He set aside that day. He made it holy. Now, here's the question I get from people, and I'm gonna spend just a few minutes because I don't have a lot of time to talk about this, but I get the question, how much should I do? Right? What, what should I do? Should I not work? I get a, a, a call every now and then or somebody will come down and talk to me at the end of a service. They'll say something like this. Listen, I got a job that's making me work on Sundays. I don't really want to do it. What do I need to do about this job that I got on Sundays? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to tell my boss? Let me tell you what the Lord says to this. So Matthew chapter 12, Jesus gives this very interesting uh, uh, explanation to the Pharisees. Remember, they were always questioning him. They were always trying to trip him up. They were always trying to catch him in some sort of a lie. So there's this interesting account in Matthew chapter 12. I want you to listen to what happens. At the time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. Right, so Jesus and his disciples are walking through these grain fields. It's the Sabbath. His disciples are hungry. They begin to pluck heads of grain to eat. When the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what's not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Remember, the Pharisees were lawmakers. They came up with just hundreds of arbitrary laws about what you could do, what you could not do. They were very specific about what could happen on the Sabbath, what couldn't happen. And so they had these set of rules about what couldn't happen. And they saw the disciples eating the grain and they questioned Jesus. Verse three, he said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests 
Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here, right? He's throwing back this idea of what happened in the Old Testament, the tabernacle and the temple, and now he's looking to himself, something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, if you skip down a couple of verses to 11, he said this to them. Which one of you who has a sheep... If it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out. Of how much more value is a man than a sheep, so it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. So Jesus basically says to these people, listen, the Sabbath is set apart. The Sabbath is holy. The Sabbath is designed for worship. It's designed for rest. But there are going to come moments when you have to do something on the Sabbath. There come moments when you're going to have to work. You're going to have to do things that maybe you don't want to do. And so I would say to you, answering that question, your normal pattern and rhythm ought to be Sabbath off. But if there are the occasions you have to work, you just have to work. Always mindful of the idea that, listen, I'm going to try to fix this. I don't want to have a job that for the rest of my life makes me work on a Sunday. I'm going to try, if I can, to get these days off. But in the meantime, I'm going to work because I understand there's grace in Christ There's freedom in Christ. And if I've got to work on the Sabbath and I can't do the things I need to do to rest and worship, then I'm going to set aside another day as my personal Sabbath. That might look different for a lot of different people. But as you pray through that and think through that, understand what the Lord's saying here, understanding that we have freedom in Christ, trusting him, following him, doing the best you can to take this Sabbath as a day of worship and a day of rest with the occasional time you have to work doing that, trusting that the Lord is going to give you opportunities in other parts of the week to find rest in him, to find worship in him. Now we need to finish up. So we've seen the Sabbath is a day set apart. It's a day of worship. It's a day of rest. Here's the third thing I want you to see this morning. Very simply, God also created the Sabbath to point to Jesus. God created the Sabbath to point to Jesus. Now, we've seen the idea of setting aside this time in the Old Testament, but I want you to remember as we've kind of worked through the book of Exodus that so much of the Old Testament looks ahead to who Jesus is gonna be. So much of the Old Testament points ahead to Christ, to who's who's gonna be, what he's gonna accomplish, what he's gonna do. And we see this very interesting argument in Hebrews and then Paul follows. I want you to listen. Just stay with me for a few more minutes here. Because I want you to make this connection. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 says this. For since the law, and we're talking about the Old Testament law here, was but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, speaking of the law, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Right, We've said this before, but the law ultimately points to Christ because it says, listen, I can't keep the law. I can't do all these things right. I need someone to come and ultimately forgive me of my sins. Right, the Old Testament talks about sacrifice and it talks about uh, the need of following the law. And the people basically realize we can't keep this law. We can't fulfill this law. We're looking ahead already to a Messiah to come and forgive us of our sins. So Hebrew talks about, Hebrews talks about this shadow of the good things to come. Now, Paul picks up in Colossians on this same idea, and he makes the connection to Christ. I want you to listen to what he says. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Listen, 
These are a shadow. There's that word used in Hebrews, a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. All right, so even as we think about the Old Testament Sabbath, even as we think about a day of rest and setting that day aside, we're understanding that even in the Old Testament, even in the law, even as they're wandering through the wilderness, we're still looking ahead to Christ as our ultimate rest. You understand that? Like if you're looking for rest in the things of the world, you're going to be sorry. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to realize those things can't bring you the hope and the peace and the rest that you need. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Jesus speaking, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All right, I just want to encourage you this morning on this Sabbath day. Right, set aside the Sabbath as a day of worship. Set it aside as a holy day, a day, a day to seek the things of the Lord. Set it aside as a day of rest, to set aside all the normal things of life, all the busyness, all the work type stuff you normally do. Set all that aside. And then as you do those things, be mindful of exactly who Jesus is in your life, of all he's done for you, of all he's given you. If this is a day and you say, listen, I've come here and I've learned and, and I understand a little bit more about Jesus and a little bit more about the scripture, but I've never truly given my heart to Christ, I'd love to talk to you about that in just a minute. I'd love to talk to you about turning from the sins of the world and turning to Jesus, repenting and trusting him. And so in just a minute, we're gonna give you a time of invitation. It's an opportunity for you to reflect. It's an opportunity for you to pray. You can come here and pray. You can pray in your seat. But if you've never prayed to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, let this be the day. Let this be the moment. Just walk down front. Let me explain to you exactly who he is and exactly how much he loves you. All right, let me pray for us down this morning. Father, we thank you for the clear teaching through the Ten Commandments, again, that you've given us, that you've shown us. Father, this idea of Sabbath as a day set aside, as a holy day, as a day of worship, as a day of rest, as a day that ultimately, again, points to Christ and all he's done. Praise your name, Father, for what you've done, for what you've given us. Praise your name, you've offered us salvation through Jesus Christ. And so if there's somebody here this morning that's never prayed to receive Jesus, let this be the moment. Convict them of their sins. Let them repent and turn their hearts to Christ. Father, for those of us that have follow Jesus. I pray that this would be a day for us that we would be mindful of all he's done and all he's given, a day of worship and a day of rest. Father, use us to do great things for the sake of your kingdom. We'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.